Welcome back to another episode of the Dunkin' with Don podcast. Michael, feels good to have football back. It's pretty awesome. Good to have you on again. Feels good to be back, man. Every time I hear the welcome back, everybody, I just, I get a little tingly. <laughs> it's like, well, it's not like you haven't been on this pod before, right? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've only heard it a couple, couple times. So, so what we're going to do is we did that pod, of course, like a couple weeks ago with the whole Deshaun Watson thing. That was at the time when the six-game suspension was announced by the, I guess, like the NFL Players Association and by legal advisors, et cetera. And then right after we recorded that, the NFL appealed the decision. And then we're kind of doing the update where now we know Watson's been suspended for 11 games. $5 million was added as a, as a kind of a penalty. And the Browns have a, a bye week in week 12. So he'll be back officially week 13. I, th- I think, Michael, to start off with this, in terms of the actual punishment, moving it from six to 11 games, adding uh, the $5 million fee, was that a justifiable punishment? Um, <clears throat> okay, so a quick little little recap of uh, Deshaun Watson's contract that he signed with the Cleveland Browns before this all went down. Uh, $230 million fully guaranteed. Only one million this year, um, and notably, a forty-five million dollars signing bonus. So you're finding the guy five mil. It's still a forty million dollars signing bonus. And in terms of eleven games, that's still like incredibly soft. Like, you don't want to delve into conspiracy, like conspiratorial ideas of. You know, the NFL is revolved around money and they don't care about the decision, but come on. The Browns have a bye week, week 12. Week 13, they come back and they play the Houston Texans. No shot that the NFL is going to let Deshaun Watson be suspended for that. His homecoming is going to be his first game back. That's a perfect storyline. If that, like, that game straight up might get flexed to a primetime spot because of what it means in terms of monetary like monetary gain and what it means of story what it means of viewership it's it's it worked out a little too well in my opinion see i i i have the same sentiment as you in the sense of like i don't want to get into like like basically like create accusation without proving them if that makes sense and basically in the case of the watson thing it's like was this tactically done behind the scenes to basically for the nfl's pr and the nfl's money and all that stuff but you can't overlook that a 11 games is pretty weird. Like, right. It's like, if why, yeah, like why not double it? Why not go full season? Why just be like, no, we're going to do randomly like 11 without really like a kind of like an, like at least as of now, there hasn't been an explanation why it was 11. And I think the contract thing is so important here where this guy is making the 200 plus million, the Browns sign him knowing that there's all these allegations on him at the time. And there, there still are clearly. And the way the contract is structured where he's getting paid less this year and the $5 million penalties, like pocket change for him. Cause he's making, cause again, what is it? A hundred plus guaranteed money. Like that's, that's absolutely nothing. He's still going to get, no, 90, it's a fully guaranteed contract. It's he's still getting 95 contract. mil if he doesn't play an NFL game again. You also have to look at, cause it's, it's convenient timing. Honestly, when we're recording this with this whole bills punter thing, where like, Oh my goodness. Like where I think, I think what the problem with the NFL is like, you can't, it's hard to provide concrete evidence that maybe there's a culture problem in the NFL, although I definitely think there is, but there is definitely an incentive for the NFL to kind of delay all these things. Cause specifically with this Bill's punter thing, it was the issue of like the team knew about it apparently for like a month and was like, Oh, we'll just let this go. 
th- that's a problem. And it seems like with the, it ties back to the Deshaun Watson thing because it seems like the Browns knew that they were going to get away with this. Whether it was in the six-game format and 11-game or even the full season, the Browns were still going to have the cap flexibility this season. They were still going to have Watson under contract for four years at pretty decent money. It, w- it, it seemed pretty tactical and pretty pretty kind of like deliberate. Um, I know this is a Deshaun Watson podcast, so I want to just briefly touch on the Matariza uh, story. It, in terms of what you're saying of an institutional corruption and an institutional, like a need for institutional change, I think it's a very, because not only was Matariza's uh, allegations and investigations covered up by the Buffalo Bills from, from what we've, from what we understand, it was covered up by SDSU for about a year since it happened um so i think it's if it's an if it's an institutional fault which at this point it's hard to argue that it's an individual fault when you're seeing a university you know an accredited university and a nfl team uh, both bat for a guy who should not be batted for um it is hard to not view it as an institutional problem especially when you draw parallels between, as you did earlier, between uh, the Bills and the Browns, where both these franchise, well, the Browns franchise is notoriously horribly managed, right? It is one of the worst franchises in the league. One would say one of the worst franchises in pro sports. The Haslam family does not know what they're doing. The Bills are a well-run team. Sean McDermott is a good coach. The Bills organization for the last, you know, since Tyrod Taylor got him to the playoffs, how many years ago? They've been a very consistent franchise and they've been very good about, um, you know, being like well run from top to bottom. So it's, I get your, I, I have to agree with your argument about it's an, it's something at the NFL level where these teams can either look at cost benefit or rather, yeah, cost benefit analysis of, Hey, our PR is going to take a strike here when it comes out that this is happening we can, you know, save face by either abandoning the person or by doing whatever needs to be done, complying with all investigations or whatever. But behind closed doors, it's all money where, oh, this, fo- this player does have allegations against him, but he's going to help us win football games. Clearer example with the, with the Cleveland Browns. And I do agree with you that it's, in, it's an institutional problem. Usually, usually you, because usually like, like at least when we do the, when we do these types of pods, cause again, we've done them before and this is both M- the NBA, the NFL, whatever. It always seems like with these sorts of stories, the common theme is they are not discovered until months later. And then when they are, it's more like either Safe journalists first. or people on the inside or whatever, kind of like uncovered and released the info. And then it's kind of like the public, ple- uh, public pressure to, in this case, release the bills punter and, kind of like give make the shot make the nfl kind of like reappeal because if you think about it there was public act uh outlash over how did calvin really for gambling get a year and watson when there's these 28 plus allegations against him how did he get six games like there it seems like <laughs> I, I think here's the problem with what's do the nfl structure now because there's multiple levels with this for starters you look at this past decade with Greg Hardy and Ray Rice and Kareem Hunt and Ridley and now Watson and 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 the punter. The, the it's so inconsistent with the punishments, and you tie that into under the new NFL CBA, 
they created this kind of like independent council to be in charge of managing conduct and investigating players for these types of situations. It seems like the NFL is kind of in a lose-lose situation just from like that behind the scenes perspective, because you're not changing the culture. That's nobody's like, apparently the NFL is not down to change the culture because they could have done it for the last like 10 to 15 plus years. On the other hand, the changes they have made are contradicting themselves because in the end, the goal of the NFL for this punishment for Watson was we want an independent council to kind of create this. That way Roger Goodell doesn't have all the power and neither do the owners or whatever. And instead they appealed it and handed out their own punishment. So in other words, it was just all for looks and for optics and for keeping the brand of the NFL intact. And they're just trying to last until September 8th when football starts up again. That, that's, that's really at the bottom line what this is, is do not create any damaging narratives between the end of the offseason and up to training camp and then the start of the season. Yeah, I I don't know. I do find it interesting the way you bring about the independent council when I just want to know what group of people looked at the Deshaun Watson situation and said, yep, that's a six-game suspension right there. Yeah, exactly. You look at other six-game suspensions, Ezekiel Elliott, okay, I get it. Then you look at, you know, bigger suspension, or rather, okay, look at, for example, uh, Josh Gordon. I think his first suspension was five games for only testing positive for marijuana. Um, other examples, Calvin Ridley lost a year for betting $1,000 on a parlay. It's wildly inconsistent. And I just, what, there's no way that these inside councils aren't made of like insiders or people that stand to gain because it's frankly ridiculous how you, how a unbiased party can come up with this conclusion. My two cents. No, no, I agree because, so here's the weird thing about this whole situation is this was reported in the New York times with like the whole timeline that we went through in our last pot. And I feel like it's been magnified in the last what three weeks or so with the news and the ultimate resolution. It seems like of this, there's a clear timeline between what happens and how that leads to the next thing. And with this Watson situation, there's clearly like allegations come out months of quiet. And then you just keep seeing like, you just keep seeing like the, the consistency of the NFL to either, dilute the situation demagnify the perception out there of this and it ties into the problem with the nfl's culture where you can look at it from the brian flores kind of like the racial side of things and kind of like the issues that the nfl still has with all that stuff you can look at it from this instance with watson the nfl will rather sacrifice at least based on what we have like we're, we're going off the history here and off of the facts they're basing it off of monetary profit and the brand and the image at the expense of what at the end of the day is people's lives. Like at the end of the day, that's kind of what this comes down to is that they're putting profit over people. Perfectly said. <laughs> yeah, no, perfectly said. You're right. I think it's a very, yeah, it's very sad, especially when you lay it out like that. Cause you know, you want to believe that the people, you know, the people in charge are good and it's, people problem where there's just bad apples but there's been so many bad apples and so many attempts to cover up said bad apples that it's hard to look at it at anything but an institutional problem and anything other than hey yeah this is bad but if we lose money from our bad pr it's still we're still gaining the money from 
viewership going up and we're still it's a net positive for us in your eyes if you if you were in the position of the independent council or the nfl what would the ideal suspension be for you i still think the most ridiculous thing honestly actually isn't even the games because even then 11 games is still two-thirds of the season because they're already losing the bye week too so in, in other words it's six games but the five million dollars for me is so low like I know we had to pay, like, we shouldn't be rewarding Watson that he already had to pay money for covering up all the allegations already is a, is a, is a bad, pretty bad sign there. But I, what, like, what would you do in that situation? What's like the ideal, like this should have been the punishment, at least in your view. Okay. So in my opinion, it should have been at the very least, it's twofold. Instead of just looking at Watson, you also, you have to look at Watson. You also have to look at the Houston Texans, the Houston Texans. Because yeah, they're they, the big culprit here for, not going to say starting this up, but they definitely didn't. They definitely kept the trend of franchises keeping yeah. some of these issues to a, a, a low, low in terms of yeah everything. So, in terms of Deshaun Watson as an individual punishment, realistically, he should have been put on the commissioner's accept list. Um, if it's a year, it's a year. But I think the idea is not giving a time frame, um, and it be an indefinite suspension. If that indefinite suspension ends up lasting a year, I think that's not okay it's obviously you know you would want it to be more like oh two years or something at the, some point it's excessive and it's oh you're pretty much just keeping a guy out of it for you know to make an example out of him right i mean to me wrong, it was awful but no amount of time past a year unless it's a lifetime suspension from the nfl is going to right the wrong so i i mean i would do indefinite suspension if it lasts a year it lasts a year but the point is you don't announce it until the next offseason uh, in terms of fine, once again, guys making two hundred thirty million, whatever, however much you find it, they did do right by uh, donating. All of the fine was donated to a charity focusing on sexual assault survivors. I believe. I remember reading that, uh, so that's good, and I like that the money was being used for that purpose. Is it a small sum of money comparatively? Sure, the money is not the issue in my opinion. Uh, institutionally, the Cleveland Browns should have been punished for the signing of Deshaun Watson and for being complicit in this. And the Houston Texans should have gotten a much bigger slap on the wrist for hiding everything for, I'm talking like owners getting suspended. I'm talking about GMs getting suspended. I'm talking about like what the Astros happened, like what happened to the Astros for cheating. That level of like scorched earth may be worse. The point you just brought up right now is the one that I think is the biggest deal with this. Because at the end of the day, the purpose, quote unquote, of the NFL's policy is if there's a situation involving this sort of conduct, you provide a punishment and you provide some sort of like solution for the player or counseling or services provided by the league in order to basically fix this behavior. So, right, it doesn't happen again. And then I think the biggest problem I have and we'll, we'll, we'll when we end the pod, we'll do kind of like what, what's the big picture takeaway for for all of us. For me, it's the, holy crap, like, after all of this, the Watson camp, whether it be Deshaun Watson or his legal attorneys or whatever, we talked about this in the last pod, this idea of them being so, like, broad with, like, all of their, like, wording, but it was, like, we hope to see the light at the end of the tunnel and, like, the, like well, we won't say anything until the truth comes out, and then instead of providing facts, 
like all these other 28 allegations, the like the New York Times reporter, when they reported those allegations, laid out minute by minute what was going on. Watson's camp is more deflecting and denying. And I it, it totally makes sense, of course, on the Watson side, just because you're trying to pr- protect your image, which kind of got totally nuked justifiably, but it happened. I think that's the biggest takeaway for me in this whole Watson thing is like, even after all this, he got away with it. All we got was two thirds of a season gone, $5 million, which is penny change with the 230 contract. And this is going to happen again, unfortunately, unless something changes in the NFL structurally, whether it's doing away with this independent counsel and actually being consistent with the punishments or NFL fans being more aware of what's going on. Cause it seems like that's more of like a small to average minority than the majority of fans out there nothing's going to get changed and we're going to have the same issue down the road either with a front office individual with a player with a coach we've already seen it this past year how it's taken so much work to just bring out all of these situations into the light for people to see but that's just one step of it it's one thing to understand that it's another thing to actually like do something with that material um i want to before you know touch on this part of yes there's a bigger institutional changes to go on I do want to talk about the Watson camp because you reminded me of one thing I really wanted to hammer home uh, on this podcast, which is Deshaun Watson's not sorry. Like, I don't know if you've read all the apologies contradict themselves. Everyone who's going to the bat, everyone who's going to bat for Deshaun Watson is absolutely disgusting. Oh, uh, oh I, I have a segment. I, we have a segment on this in about five minutes, so please. But you oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, let's, let's say uh, the pro Watson camp's been very – very, very friendly toward Deshaun Watson in this situation. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Um, like, okay, Jimmy, Jimmy Haslam, in the middle of a presser where they're talking about Deshaun Watson's suspension, says he's a good kid and a hell of a football player, a hell of NFL QB. What, what is his skill? Why are we bringing up his skill? Why are we bringing up his skill? Yeah, that that basically summed up the the yeah, solution to the Watson it. problem. Yeah, they admitted, they admitted it. it. They admitted it. They said, "Oh, it's fine that he did something wrong because look how many games we're going to win now. We're the Cleveland Browns. We don't win. Look at this. Even if it costs us our morals, we're going to win." Which, as a fan of the, you know, as a fan of the team, is absolutely disgusting. And I want nothing more than for the Haslam's to sell the team. Genuinely, this regime to me is unsalvageable. The Haslam's need to go. Andrew Barry and, Steven, and Kevin Stefanski are on very thin ice. I think Andrew Barry's a smart guy. I don't like this move at all. I don't like this move at all. Just, if you're, I don't know, man. And then you have Deshaun Watson maintaining, first releasing a statement saying, I own up to everything. And then right after, I believe I, I, believe I am completely innocent. It's, it's all contradictory messages. That are that you know is just being able to float by because the guy's an ex superstar. I mean, also you saw him in that preseason game; he wasn't even playing that well. Well, so scarier thing too is you noticed how quiet it's been. Like we're taping this probably a, a, what like ten days after like all the craziness happened, and yet notice how nobody's talking about it anymore. It's like the perfect NFL playbook of like, oh, it's over, and that's it. Like we, we it's it's kind of like in Spain because I was in Spain. Literally, they taught us the same thing. How like. There, when they study history, it's like, oh, like the past didn't happen, like forget about it. But it's a very dangerous move for the NFL. And I think the problem, though, and you, you've already hammered this home, it's a problem for the it's a problem for all of us as fans of the NFL, because we're like, how the hell are they getting away with this? It's not a problem for the NFL. 
because they're still going to make a ton of money. Watson's going to play his games. They're going to find a way if when player A gets in trouble, they're going to find a way to deflect that. They, they have built a system designed to prevent any catastrophe to the NFL's image or whatever. And you, at the end of the day, with how big those TV contracts are and how popular the sport is, unless there's like this mass boycott of the NFL, which is like a utopian dream, and that's never going to happen, even because we're both football fans, like we're going to still be watching. Like we're not going to boycott the game because the NFL is stupid. Like now imagine the average fan who actually like doesn't care about this or like is downplaying this. That, I think that's in the, in the end, that's really the problem. It, it really is not a, not a good look for the NFL, but it's not like anybody's going to care. I like to believe people are good. I like to believe that people generally are disgusted by it, but not disgusted enough to act. And yeah. that's the I point. I mean, you're there, there, on. there are, but like with going back to this whole like Bill's punter thing, like it's like, dude, like the fact that it took this this much pressure to basically force a team to to release this guy, and only because the, the Bills fans are very very enthusiastic, they probably didn't want this guy on their team because of how like messed up what he did was. And that's that's honestly a, a different story for another day. But it's weird how that came out also when the Watson thing was happening because it just goes like this isn't a case of like this isn't a case of like it, it goes back to what we're saying like it's not a situation where only the Watson thing happened. It's an anomaly, unprecedented, whatever. We have seen this in the past handful of years, and especially in the Goodell administration, consistent behavior not being consistently punished or dealt with or regulated. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Like there's no, it's what you said earlier, putting profit over people. It's, it's just not something that it's something that the NFL has gone away with this whole time. And it generally is heartbreaking. Like there's no, there's no analysis to provide is the, clearest way to put it there's no one else to provide it's bad it's awful it's wrong but it's happening so one big thing from the pr optics fan base front is you've definitely seen it we're on twitter every time they announce an update to the watson thing there's these people in the comments like this is one of these deep on things that i hate but we have to we have to go through it because it matters of like people say i thought it was innocent until proven guilty like why <laughs> why do we need to punish him because there's nothing concrete and it's like first off he paid all of the basically all of the people who accused him of stuff settlement money to basically like go away and not bring up anything and they were all like non-disclosure agreements that's pretty obvious number two it seems like with this whole nfl image thing that people are willing to defend the nfl against their life like what would what is your main argument or arguments for those sorts of people who say like why is watson being punished for something he did not do which is total bs why are we doing this whole guilty and too proven innocent mentality? Like, what's the best way to debunk that if, like, that ever comes up? Um, okay. People aren't going to – these are not the people that could be reasoned with, uh, oh, you know, there's beyond a reasonable doubt that Watson did it. They're simply not going to uh, listen to that sort of argument. And even then, these are the same people that will doubt play that type of, that type of argument. So what I would say to that, uh, to the, you know, the point you brought up is, even if Deshaun Watson is completely innocent, I would argue that the amount of negative press caused to the NFL and the amount of sponsorships and the amount of money the NFL has lost due to being associated with this guy, that in and of itself is worth the suspension and is worth the way, uh, you know, the punishment. Because at the end of the day, it's a PR black hole 
caused by Deshaun Watson's irresponsible actions, allegedly. If you're telling me 26 people just, uh, you know, decided to all accuse Watson, a very innocent man, quote unquote, of, um, you know, of wrongdoing. Even then, the way he's handled it and this like PR nightmare that's created, the NFL can't just, you know, you're either going to ride with your boy or you're not. And the NFL is not going to ride with anyone. I mean, it's it's such a large entity. It doesn't need any beside maybe, maybe Tom Brady. But even then, there's no one no one player, no one entity bigger than the NFL itself. It's not NBA where LeBron James is bigger than the NBA. It's not Jordan being bigger than the NBA. That doesn't happen in the NFL. There's no mega superstar like that. So, no one is exempt from getting cut. No one's exempt from getting a punishment because you're bringing back bad press to the machine. So completely logically, it still makes sense. I agree because here, here's the thing we talked about last pod that I think holds truer now at the suspension is to debunk that argument, you need to look at pattern. And the one thing that the New York Times article that came out about this was when you're looking for multiple allegations, it's one thing if it was like one or even two where it's like, okay, like it could be true. It could be not. We need the investigation to happen. But when there's, 28 like the volume the volume 26 people online 28 people online yeah when there's a volume of 28 people you're gonna you're gonna have to imagine that not all 28 conspired to be like yeah let's go after this guy because he signed 200 for for 230 million number one number two there's a pattern of this where it was within this same like five-year window of right when he was in college to in houston and then in his nfl career so that's a little concerning that like there's a precedent with like it's been over multiple years and number three, it's the a majority of them have been through the same way, right? Allegedly, it's been through Instagram DMs to massage therapists. That's literally what it was. It was like private messages to people in the massage business. Like that's that's concerning, right? Like it's 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 the volume. It's the fact that all of them are of like the same industry or the same job and are all doing the same services. And it, it's hard to imagine that twenty eight like that twenty eight people are just coming up with fantasy stuff. Again, it's one thing if it's one, but when you look at the volume of this, it's hard to argue against it. I think I think people don't, uh, like people underappreciate that and people don't get that really. At least that's in my view. The people who argue that Watson, oh, he's guilty until proven and that's total BS, what is going on? I think that's a total lie. I, I think based on what we've seen, it's not true. Uh, yeah, I think that, especially considering that uh, these women's stories just line up perfectly with, the receipts of the Houston Texans have and the um like the oh well the Watson was away for X amount of time, extended time, say at extended time away from us. And then that lines up well with the stories of these women. Just lends more credibility to, oh, even a source that stands to benefit from Deshaun Watson being innocent is like, no wait, these stories add up. Well and it goes back to what we talked about with the Watson camp too, how Notice how we're like literally we're not even mentioning facts, but if you look at the difference, how the Watson camp was so broad. And meanwhile, with these allegations, they're so specific with messages and receipts from the teams and from the individuals who filed these accusations, concrete times and dates and even years. So we always have a timeline of that. It's like you notice, right, like how for Watson's camp, they've never published like, oh, Watson was here when this happened or anything like that. Like there's such a difference in the amount of evidence against what are, uh, I guess, like showing support that Watson did do these things versus not. And 
people I don't, I don't think realize that either. Like, it's crazy how like with all the amount of evidence people are coming forward with, there's still a major pro defense for Deshaun Watson. It's not even a Cleveland thing, by the way. This is like a, it seems like it's a nationwide thing in favor of the NFL because it's not just like, oh, a handful of que- of angry Cleveland fans are mad that their best play, like their top QB, their franchise guy is going to be out for, for almost the whole year. It's that there's a lot of other NFL fans that are doing this. I think that's the scarier part. Um, weird tangent. Indulge me for a second. Do you remember the affluenza case? No, if you want to go over it, be my guest. The affluenza team? Okay. Uh, a couple years ago, there was a case of a um, rape where this one team uh, sexually assaulted a girl. I'm going to Google it just so I can have everything correct. Team. Okay. Uh, Ethan Couch. Oh, I'm sorry. He didn't. No, no, no. He didn't rape. He killed. He killed four people on a DUI in, okay, July 2013. I Apologies. But... I just want to make sure I have my facts straight. Okay. So basically, this kid, DUI, killed four people. The court in court, the argument was, oh, this kid has lived all his life under such affluence and under such um what's it called? Under such luxury that he does not understand that killing people is wrong. And therefore he cannot be tried because this is not a murder in the sense of he didn't knowingly commit wrongdoing. Yeah, because uh, that's actions. what murder, because murder legally, because I did a story on this, like for, for like the Rittenhouse case, the reason why that trial mattered so much, it was homicide versus murder. It was a homicide case. Because if it was murder, it meant it was deliberate. Like the, the yeah. key firmers that like yeah. they knew that they were doing it. And that changes the legal framework entirely for a punishment. I, I yeah. think I know where you're going with this too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so that I, I thought about that case the other day and I thought, wow, wait, that's a little similar to obviously not the same, obviously not the same, but I can draw parallels between this and the Deshaun Watson case where you have Deshaun Watson, this quarterback at Clemson who was like the you know top of his, you know, top of the, of the college. Uh, he was like the number one QB uh, cross, the prospect in college going to the NFL. He was a top 10 prospect in high school. He was always, you know, his Clemson days were really, really good. In the NFL, he came in as a rookie and he started playing amazingly. He's always had this status. He's always had this clout, I guess you can say, of just, oh, Deshaun Watson. That's just like a really good football player. Like, he can do no wrong. He's a really good football player. I think that air of, um, I guess, stardom and quote-unquote excellence that Deshaun Watson's always had around him and – given to him by other people. I'm not saying he himself has perpetuate, uh, per- perpetrated this. Um, but I think that lends itself to this, where people are like, oh, Deshaun Watson can't do anything wrong. He's Deshaun Watson. And even if it's an implicit bias and it's subconscious and it's not, you don't actively recognize you're doing it, it gives me that parallel of like, oh, always been at the tippy top, always been so disconnected from the rest of society, the rest of, I guess society is not the right word. It'd be disconnected from the rest of the group. The group in this case being the NFL, the group in the affluenza case being society. Um, so disconnected from the rest of the world where their wrongdoings are viewed differently than regular wrongdoings. We, I think before we wrap up the pod, we should again look at the 
the Brown side of things from like, just like the, how do they do this season? Just because now, now that it's 11 games instead of six, like this matters for kind of like their outlook. Six no, baby, go Brownies. Yeah. It, considering that the outlook for the season, like we're going to see what happens. So w- what would you consider the floor and ceiling to be now that you're doing what Jacoby Brissett will be the QB moving forward until week 13 and then Watson takes over. So, like we assume that what, what are we uh, thinking? Could... For, what are we thinking for the Browns here in terms of, are they able to last until two thirds of the season to kind of make their way through? If I can nerd out about the Cleveland Browns for a second. I still love the rest of this team. You know, I'm, I'm a big Miles Garrett guy. I'm very sad Baker's gone, but I'm a big Miles Garrett guy. I love um, our entire running back core. I love our entire offensive line. I love this team. Um, it's such a shame we have an awful person behind quarterback. And also, did you see uh, Jacoby Brissett real quick? Did you see Jacoby Brissett said in an interview, I will never, I can never be like Deshaun Watson? <laughs> he's my QB one that's gotta be awesome for the team chemistry right I mean <laughs> do, do you think that matters by the way for the season that there's gonna be other I think people are not factoring this in enough when we're talking about the Browns how yeah they have all the talent but this could be like a KD Kyrie net situation of like yeah but the whole team is like disjointed and you got players coming in and out minus the that's allegations it, 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 it like mm-hmm. I don't know like you have a lot of stars on your team and some of them are going to be like, wait, we still have Watson as our QB and he got away with this. And now I have to like trust him to like lead me to like a good record and a playoff game. Like, you know what I mean? Like there, the psychological, the psycho, the psychology behind this thing should matter a little bit. I don't think Unless so. Unless they don't care. I, I don't think so. Not because they don't care. I like to believe they do. But first of all, uh, Deshaun Watson's been buying his way into the fucking team. I don't know if you've, oh, my apologies for person. I don't think if you've, if, um, I don't know if you've seen this. He bought the entire team like a weekend getaway to like some island. Oh, great! <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, for like a team bonding thing when he got there, and it's okay. So first, the second question would be: I don't think okay. I don't think that it's gonna change that much. If you remember the Browns last year, uh, coming off that uh, performance where they almost made it to the wild card didn't because of a Chad Henney run in the fourth down um, or in the third down. But if it wasn't for that, they'd be in the wild card. Uh, or not in the wild card, in the uh, AFC championship. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, they were good that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So last year, they were had they had very high expectations going into the season and they collapsed. That one was more so the case of uh, people not playing to their potential. Uh, Baker played injured the whole year, whatever, whatever. Uh, I don't think it's the case this year. I think, um, yeah, there's a certain spotlight on the team because of Deshaun Watson, but a lot of the pieces are the same. Yeah, no Jarvis, no OBJ, um, Amari Cooper's new, but like, okay, the running back core is largely the same. The O-line is largely the same. Uh, The defense just got better. Like that's still the same core group of individuals plus extra good players. Um, So the only real shift is the quarterback. And based on, internal reports and from what we was coming out of the Browns camp at the end of last year, a lot of people were not riding with Baker and a lot of people did not like Baker. And a lot of people on that, in that team also do understand that the NFL is a business, is a business at the end of the day and is ran, you know, you, you're going to, your teammates going to not be your teammate in any given moment. So I think they understand that part, the logistical uh, in terms of team, team chemistry or whatever, it's always going to be a different group of guys every year. And you kind of have to rekindle that every year. So I don't think it's going to affect that much on the field, off the field. I do think that um, 
in terms of floors, okay, going to your first question, in terms of floor ceiling for the team, it depends on a couple of factors. First of all, uh, the Browns are without their center, Nick Harris. He got injured for the year in the first preseason game against Jacksonville. Uh, so they have a backup center playing. So we want to see how that offensive line holds up because that O-line for the Cleveland Browns dictates their entire team. Nick, Nick Chubb is able to run downhill the way he does because of that O-line. Nick Chubb is also a very good running back, don't get me wrong. Uh, that O-line works for these long plays that people like Donovan Peoples-Jones uh, benefit from, right? These like long out routes that only get set up if the line is able to hold for three plus seconds. Um, so the offense is built around that offensive line. And I don't think Stefanski is going to be changing the entire offense, more so adapting it, because you have two very similar quarterbacks in Deshaun Watson and Jacoby Brissett. Um, they're, you know, dual threat quarterbacks, mostly, you know, very good improvisational skills um, and just cannons for arms for both of them, really. And I, I do think, like, the offense is going to change based on how it was ran with Baker, probably a lot less bootleg, probably a lot less slants, probably a lot less like that, and more so let the quarterback work. But it's all based on the O-line, not based on the quarterback. And for that reason, I think the floor is going to be solid. I do too. Because So real quick, because then we got to wrap up, I think the reason why I'm high on Cleveland is the rest of the AFC, AFC is super competitive, but you can make a case that given how – like, I don't know. I don't think the AFC North is too tough. Like if Cleveland wins the division this year, or even if they're second in the division, it wouldn't surprise me. Like that's the bottom line. They could still be a 500 team and barely miss the playoffs or make it as like one of those final teams. Or I could see them going 11 and seven, let's, or I guess 11 and six or 10 and seven. Like there's a very big chance, even without Watson, they're so good on paper that it translates to, they can be the other thing too, by the way, they have like one of the easier schedules in the NFL this year, which also helps them and they get Watson memory. He comes back after the 11th game, they have a whole bye week to get stuff in there to get stuff set up. And then they play week 13. Like that's also going to help Cleveland. Unfor of course, I wish it didn't because that seems like very coincidental for Cleveland, but th that does help the Browns in the end in terms of this, to their season outlook. So we'll wrap up on this note is this is officially like, the end of the Watson saga, unless something else comes out and there's a breaking development that changes everything moving forward. But for the most part, this is resolved. And it seems like for both of us, it was resolved in a pretty horrible way and definitely not the right way. W what is the big picture takeaway from you from this entire situation going from the allegations themselves, the reporting behind this, the NFL's response, the Watson response, like what's the gigantic, like, this is kind of like what we're going to be left with, like moving forward. Uh, the world lost today. I think biggest thing is that there's still work to be done. Uh, we still have a ways to go before this sort of stuff. We can safely protect our, you know, the world from it. We can safely protect our loved ones from it. Um, because, you know, this is, this is a case of, of failure, right? And maybe you'll see other cases of successes down the line where maybe, the NFL learns from their mistakes and uh, corrects themselves. But that is not today. That is not today. Um, it's today, you know, today being the Deshaun Watson situation was ultimately a failure. And hopefully the NFL can see where they went wrong. No, you know what? No, 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 no. I'm being, I'm not being genuine. 
it's people, it's, it's profit over people. That is the takeaway from this, that no matter what happens, so long as I can make the company money, I'm fine. That yeah, is my takeaway. It, I hate it, to be cynical, but that is, that is the primary takeaway from this. It, it is a grim reality, but it is a real one. And unless something changes again, we'll be on the lookout for that and kind of cover that. But it has been, with that said, I'm not going to call it fun because I hate talking about this subject matter, but it has been informative, I will say, with breaking this down and then kind of seeing kind of like the different perspectives of this. I think that's my big takeaway because you've got the leak perspective, you've got the Watson camps, you've got the actual people who are accusing Watson of this, like the fact that their voices haven't been really all that hurts kind of concerning too. There's so many angles to this thing. And like, I think we both mentioned, this will not die out. There's going to be a, a situation where the NFL is going to have to handle another case like this. And only if they handle that case the right way, and more importantly, the NFL fans who are idiots can own up to what actually happened and let these players be held accountable and not be stupid and kind of like try to deflect actual people who have been affected by this. I agree with you. It seems like nothing's going to change until something changes kind of within the NFL, with the, with the culture of the league. But Michael, of course, it was good to have you on regardless to talk more NFL. We're both going to be ex more excited and less somber let's say once actual football starts up with uh literally like in two weeks so it's good to have you on again i just want to say one thing um my last three nfl football appearances for the dunk with podcast have been john gruden deshaun watson one deshaun watson two <laughs> you're like my prime like investigative reporter for <laughs> yeah i'm excited to come on and do an actual football episode one of these days yeah. until then i'll catch you guys next time there's a scandal mm -hmm.